0: To the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday, the twenty-third of February, 2014, entitled God's High Calling. And the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Philippians 3. We're gonna look at our we're gonna look at our verse that that we've used as the the theme of our conference, uh, where Paul uh, said to the church, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I want to talk a little bit this morning about this thing called a high calling. What is that? Um, many of you in this room have been called into some type of Christian service. If you haven't, uh, let me submit to you that you ought to, you ought to struggle with the possibility. If If God doesn't... If God's going to use somebody in the ministry, it's more than likely going to come from a crowd like this. It's not going to come from the crowd that's out there doing something else today. It's going to come from the people that's sitting under the sound of God's Word today. And so I, I hope and pray that if you haven't surrendered fully to whatever God's leading you to do, you need to do that before you leave today. There may be some of you that's still holding on to some things, you know, Um and, and and by the way, don't, don't sacrifice God's best for some good things. You know you could do that? You know you could sacrifice God's best, the one thing in your life. By the way, Paul didn't say these ten things I dabble at. He said this one thing I do. God called me to do one thing, Frazier. Now, there's a lot of things I like to do, but God called me to do one thing. And I'm not going to sacrifice God's best for some good things. Hey, it's a good thing to, you know... To get involved with other societies and other uh, organizations and things like that, but fact of the matter is, if you're not careful, you'll sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate, and you know what? Surrender what is God's best for your life. Now, young people, I'm going to tell you right now, you got the best days for you are ahead of you. This, listen, we live, we live in one of the most opportunistic times in history to serve our Lord. One of the most opportunistic times, people are at a, whether we see it or not, Tom, a lot of people are still hungry and seeking after God's word. And you know what? We live in a very, very, very good time to serve Jesus Christ. Let's not get discouraged just because of what we see with our eyes, all right? Look at what happened this weekend. You know, we've had some young people trust Christ. Last night, this altar was full of people praying. Do you know what? That very seldom happens at youth conferences. We need to thank God for what we've what we've experienced. Amen. And so I want to talk to you this morning about this high calling. Um, let me just share with you my personal experience. I, I guess back in nineteen back in nineteen ninety, I was in the Marine Corps. I served in I served eight years for my country, and I was in the Marine Corps in nineteen ninety, and we got a call. Uh, that we needed to head to uh, Dahran, Saudi Arabia, and uh, during a thing called Desert Shield. Uh, Desert Shield turned into a, a, a war against uh, the Iraqis in Kuwait City uh, called uh, 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 Desert Storm. There was some time in between Desert Shield and Desert Storm that God began to work in my heart about the ministry. I was still in the Marine Corps. I would not surrender to fully to what God wanted me to do, but I really was struggling with the possibility that God may be having His hand upon me to preach the gospel. So I had to make some decisions. When the, the war was over, a young men, I went back to my, to my, my, my hometown, and um, eventually, about a year and a half after that, I, I was honorably discharged, and I was out of the Marine Corps. And I like what somebody said in here, that God speaks through that still, small voice. That's what God did with me. God spoke to me through a still, small voice. It wasn't some audible voice from heaven. It was a still, small voice. And he said, Brian, he said, are you going to do what I ask you to do? Well, fact of the matter was, uh, I, I felt like it was more important, and I was a Christian. I was born again, but I felt like it was more important to make money than it was to just surrender everything to Jesus Christ and let Him lead my life. And I took my family, Dave, and my children, my wife and my children, and I took them about 45 miles away from where God was calling me. And I remember where I was sitting, young men and young ladies. I remember where I was sitting. It was on a Christmas Eve night, right beside of a, the Christmas tree, at about 1130 at night. And I opened my Bible up. And I'm going to tell you that God did something in my life that I tell you the other night that God don't normally do. And that is you just open the Bible up and read. You say, as for me, well, I was getting ready to read the Christmas story and my Bible fell straight to the book of Jonah. And and God has a sense of humor because Jonah was a man that was running from the call of God. And I said, wow, here I am. And, you know, I started reading Tim, and the farther I read, it said that, you know, Jonah went down, uh, you know, to catch a ship to, to Tarshish. And then he went down in the sides of that ship and he just began to go down, down, down. And you know what? I found out that that's what I was doing. And God got a hold of me. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't obey. And I took my family, young people, 45 to 50 miles away from where God was calling me because of a job promotion, because of this. Do you know that anybody in the Bible, and I want you to look at me, you know anybody in the Bible that ever tried to determine God's will based on financial success failed miserably? I want you to think about that. Some of you, you know what? You're going to university to try to find out what your occupation is. You're going to get a degree. You're going to go into a field of expertise and you're going to make money. But you know what? Do not sacrifice God's best for some good things. It's more, it's more important to be in the very center of the will of God than it is to make 100,000 know, pounds £100, a year, 200,000 pounds a year, whatever it is. It's more important. Now listen, the Bible says labor not to be rich. We're to work for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm here to tell you, if you do that, God will promote you. I want my promotion to be from Him, not from some CEO. Okay? So I took my family and went up into the mountains of North Carolina. And you know what? You can run to the hills, but you can't hide. And God got a hold of me, and I finally surrendered to the will of God. And you know what it took? Cain, it took a guy coming up to me in a church service. I was seeking after churches. and didn't know where to go. We visited this church and this guy came up to me and he said, he said, can I ask you a question? He said, you're visiting. He said, uh, what church did you come to and what was you doing for the Lord? fact of the matter was, I didn't even want to answer that question because I wasn't faithful where I was planted and I wasn't really doing anything for Christ. And I told him some things that sounded great, but really wasn't the truth. And I remember two weeks went by, and have y'all ever felt like when you pray that God's gone on vacation or He ain't around? and You know, you're like, I've been praying, and God just seems a million miles away. You ever felt that way? I have. And God... He's up there. Now, anyway, God, and God, God felt a million miles away, Fraser. And I said, you know what, Lord? I'm tired of feeling this way. And I remember where it was at on a Wednesday night service. We were in a Wednesday night service. And you know, normally in the States, when we 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 have a you know an order of service. Everybody has an order of service. And we even have that here in the conference. We've got an order, but there's a lot of disorder in our order. Amen. But at the in the order of services, you don't only have an offertory, and we had a choir, and the choir would sing during the offertory. Well, you know what? That's normally not the time that you come up to the altar and pray. But Tim, I couldn't stay in my seat. I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest if I didn't make things right with God. And you know what? I'd been saved. I had been serving, but I hadn't fully surrendered. And you know what? That day I got up there and I prayed and I said, God, I'll do whatever you're calling me to do. I don't know what it is. I stood before a group of people much like this. And I looked at them and I said, I said, Pastor, can I say something? And I talked to the people and I said, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but I'm here today to tell you that God's been working in my heart and I'm telling God today that I am standing before Him and I will do whatever He wants me to do. I don't know what it'll be, but whatever He tells me to do, I'm willing to do it. Now guys, I'm not preaching to you this morning, I'm talking to you. And I want to ask you, are you at a place to where you would be willing to do whatever God asks you to do. See, God may never call you to Africa in the depths of the jungle to be a missionary. God may never call you to a metropolitan area to be somebody that works with kids in a mission. But let me ask you something. If God did call you to Ethiopia, if God did call you to the Ukraine, if God did call you to communist red China, would you be willing to go? See, that's the whole... This is where it all comes to a point, young people, in this weekend. Now, I know you're tired. I know we're weary. Amen? And you know what? Sometimes the, the Lord has to get our flesh weak so the Spirit can hear us. The Spirit can hear Him. And so, I'm tongue-tied this morning. Y'all just forgive me, okay? <clears throat> but are you at a point to where you're in full surrender to Jesus Christ? See, there's a few callings in the Bible. The first one is the call to salvation. Some of y'all have done that this weekend. I think the fact of the matter is, now that I've seen the hands raised on Friday night, pretty much I believe I'm sitting before a group of people that have said they've claimed Christ and they've made Him their personal Savior. You know what? You have to answer that first call. The first call is the call to salvation. But then you have to answer the next call. And that is the call to service. See, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. We all know these verses, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Your reasonable service is to give your life for Christ. He gave His life for you. So, you, the call to salvation is the first step. Then there's a call to service, but then we get... And I want you to turn somewhere in the Bible for me. I want you to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians and chapter number 2. Let's look down at... Or let's go to verse number, chapter number 1, and let's look at verse number 26. Verse number 26, chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, look at verse number 26. It says, For ye see your calling, brethren... How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, uh, mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. And base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That no, look, look at this, that no flesh, should glory in His presence. You want to know why God calls us not only to salvation but to service? It's so that, you know what? He will get glory out of our life. Do you understand that there's a lot of things... See, I heard a story one time about there was this woodpecker, okay? Now, just bear with me. I know I've got a vivid imagination. There's this woodpecker, right? And this woodpecker is... um, got all of his friends with him, and they're over there, and, you know, one's just knocking away on the tree. You know, and then this other one over here, Woodpecker. boy, and he's trying to impress his friends, so he goes this one tree, Frazier, and I mean, he's a, like a machine gun. And, boy, all of his friends are looking at him, and he looks over, and he just starts again. Well, all of his friends say, you know, he's arrogant. And they leave. Well, a thunderstorm comes up. Well, he's over and you know what? A lightning bolt hits the tree that he's chopping at. I mean, he's just knocking away on it, Dave, and a lightning bolt hits it, splits it right down the middle. You know what he does? He goes and gets all of his other little woodpecker friends and brings them over and says, hey, look what I've done. You know what? When God does something through us, the problem is a lot of times we want to get the credit for it. God's the one that ought to get the glory for it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard somebody say that when we're justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned? You ever heard that? Being justified means it's just as though I'd never sinned. Well, let me ask you something. When you take a bath, if you, well, some of y'all probably need one when you leave here this weekend. Uh, you haven't taken one since Friday. But um, when you take a bath... Do you get out of the shower after being dirty and filthy and you get cleaned, do you look in the mirror and go, wow, it's just as though i would never been dirty? No. Because you know why? The problem is, is you didn't do nothing to clean yourself up. We don't give credit to the thing that actually cleaned us up, and that's the water and the soap. A lot of times we need to realize when we look in the mirror, we say, you know what? It's just as though i would never sinned. I've been redeemed by the blood. We need to give credit to the thing that made us clean, and that is Jesus Christ's sacrifice on Calvary. Amen? Young people, let me tell you something. It says right here that not many noble, not many wise, not many mighty are called, but God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You understand God is not... Listen, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God calls people that are weak. God is attracted to our weakness. God's attracted. He ain't attracted to my ability. He ain't attracted to my good looks. Yeah, thanks, Cain. Uh, Anyway, I'm I'm being tongue-in-cheek there. Um, You know, I'm so ugly, God's making a place for a new face up here, all right? So, y'all pray for me. God's not attracted to anything about me except my weakness. Don't we serve an amazing God, guys? That God would be attracted not to our ability, Alex, not to our great talents, but God's attracted to our weakness. Young people, there's three callings, okay? There's the call to salvation. There's the call to service, But then there's the call to surrender. Now what I'm trying to get you to a point is to understand there has to be a time in your life. Are y'all still listening to me say amen? Okay. There has to come a time in your life where you run the white flag up. You know what the white flag means, right? What's it mean? I'm done. (laughs) You know? When people are tired of fighting and they're being whooped, they just run the white flag up and they say, I give up. That's where you got to get. Young people, listen, a conference like this, I know a lot of times you come to a conference and you get into Sunday and it's like, let's just coast through this thing and get through it, and then we can go, thank God that's over with. No, O'Brien wants to put something in you that will make you say, you know what, by the grace of God, I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. There, there are young people in this room, you've got more ability in your thumbnail on your pinky than most people have in their whole body. Some of you in this room have more ability than the people that are actually ministering to you, but you're going to sit in a pew the rest of your life and not do a thing for God. Shame on you. Because God said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You've been bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. By the way, you know what that ought to tell us? If we're not our own property, we better be very careful how we treat this thing called the temple of God. Be very careful. Young people, I know you live in a day and age where the world says it's okay. You do whatever you want to do. You go and have a good time. When you get 55, 60 years of age, then you can serve God. No. I've seen people make shipwreck of their life because they thought they were their own property. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're here this weekend, make a conscious decision that you're going to be a servant of the Most High God. That you're going to do something for Jesus Christ. That you're not only going to surrender to the call of salvation and the call to service, but you're going to surrender to the call of Full surrender and obedience to him. I want you to look at Philippians 3:14 very quickly. He says, I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. He says the high calling. A lot of times we look at that phrase and we think that high calling means, and by the way, there is a high calling that, uh, you know, a high calling is one that we feel like is that ultimate call to where we're going to be called up to be with Him. That's not what this is, okay? Because that high means an upper calling. But we're not talking about altitude. We're talking about attitude, okay? This high calling is one that you have to surrender fully to. You say, preacher, what is it? Well, I wish I was smart enough I wish I was smart enough to tell each and every one of you in this room what the high calling of God is for your life. Fact of the matter is, I can't tell you what the specific will of God is for you. But I can tell you what God's standard will is, and you're doing one of them this weekend, and that is fellowshipping with other believers. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to pray. You ought to give. You ought to worship Him. And listen, it's not a suggestion that you praise the Lord. It is a command that you praise the Lord. That's the standard will of God. And I'm here to tell you that if some of you in here are wondering what the will of God is for your lives, specifically, if you will obey to His standard will, I promise you God will reveal His specific will to you. And God's sovereign will is that you be saved by the grace of God. If you've done that, praise the Lord. If you had not done that yet, you need to do that. Because you don't want to leave this conference and say, you know what, I remember what preacher Brian said, and I, I, you know what, I'm going to do that later. I'm just not quite ready yet to fully give my life to Christ. It'd be a shame if we left this conference and tomorrow morning the Lord called His church home in the rapture and you'd be left behind during the tribulation because you... And you know what? During the whole time that you're in the tribulation period, you're going to remember you must be born again. You must be born again. Don't leave here without making that decision and surrender to the call of salvation. Okay? Listen, he said a high calling, Dave. I want you all to think with me for just a moment. Number one, I want you to think about this. God's delight. You know what God delights in? God delights. And I want you to write this down if you've got a pen. God's delight. Number one, God delights in using us in His service. See, God, it is God's, just His very pleasure, Steve, to want to use us to serve Him. That's amazing to me. But God's delight, His pleasure is to use people in His service. Guys, when you're singing, you remember who you're singing to. Amen. Remember who you're praising. And God called you to do that. And make a joyful noise. Man, sing to the Most High God and thank God that He called you. You know what? It's God's delight that He wants to use you. It's God's delight that He wants to put us into the ministry of Jesus Christ. So number one, God's delight. Think about this. God uses the most strangest, the strangest things in the world, doesn't He? He uses ordinary people. He uses overlooked people. Let me ask you something. Do you think you're ordinary? Most of us are. We're just ordinary folk, just trying to live life. You know, none of us popular, none of us real famous. I'm not famous. Matter of fact, you know what came? I don't even have my own name on my church sign. I don't want nobody to know who I am. I want them to know who Jesus is. It ain't ain't important who I am. I'm not popular, you know. There's times when, you know, I meet somebody. I remember I was telling some of the young men that uh, when I was... First into ministry, ministry, uh, I got introduced to a gentleman who worked, who used to be one of the head of security for the President of the United States when President Ronald Reagan was in office. And I'm telling you what, when I shook his hand, I said, man, I was kind of in awe of this fellow, Frazier. I mean, I literally said, man, this is the guy who protects the President of the United States. And God whispered in my ear and said, uh, tell him who you work for. I looked at him and I shook his hand and I said, Praise God, I serve the God that made Ronald Reagan. Amen? Realize who you are in Christ. If you have surrendered to the high calling of God, there ain't a greater place to be than to be. And I'm going to talk about that this morning, to be a servant of Almighty God. Steve, I thank God for you and Angelica. Thank God for what you do on the streets of Birmingham. Thank God for you. Because you know what? I don't know many people that are still surrendering their life. You know, I graduated from a Bible college. Uh, that Literally, listen, the year I graduated, we graduated into the full-time ministry, Fraser. Uh, out of 350 graduating students, 185 men were going into full-time Christian service. You know what we did last year? 70. 70 men going into service. Almost half. In the last 12 years, it's declined half. Can I ask y'all a question? If the next missionaries, if the next preachers, if the next pastor's wives don't come from this crowd, where are they going to come from? Who's going to do it? Who's going to be the next the next Christian school teachers? Who's going to be the next Christian administrators, Christian school administrators? Who's going to be the next preacher's wife? Who's going to be the next pastor? Who's going to be the next evangelist? Who's going to be the next one that takes Steve's place? It ain't going to come from that crowd that's running out there today, washing their car and doing all kinds of filthy things. It's going to be from the crowd that's in here today. The high calling of God. Young people, listen, it's God's delight that He wants to use you. But let me tell you something. God's desire, not only God's delight, but listen, God's desire. God's desire is in that high calling that you draw closer to Him. You remember when Moses... Remember when Moses was on the backside of the desert, Steve, and he said he drew close to a bush that was burning but not consumed. And out of the bush came a voice, and it said, Moses, Moses. Think about it. What would you do if a bush spoke to you? <laughs> I don't know if I'd draw near to it. If it was burning, I know I wouldn't. But Moses drew near to the bush. You know what God's desire is? Is his purpose in your life is he wants to use you, but in that process, he wants you to draw closer to him. That's God's desire. But can I say this? God has a design too. God has a design. You know what that design... Don't y'all... I love... I love to see... Uh, paintings that when they first start, you don't know what in the world it's going to be. You know, it just looks like a, a just a blob. It ain't nothing but just a bunch of colors on a on a on a mat or on a on a a, a piece of parchment. But you know what? As the artist begins to uh, shade that area and then take and smudge that area, and then he'll he'll even lick his thumb sometimes, and he'll do that and he'll make that tree come to life. And you know, all of a sudden, something that looks so ordinary and blah, turns out to be a wonderful, majestic picture of a babbling brook with two deer and a tree over here. And you go, how did he do that? You know, I look back at my life, Liz, and I think about what I was. I was just an ordinary blah. (laughs) Thank you. You know what God began to do? God began to do that on my life. And then he began to, and then he got got the eraser out and he got the whittle out. Amen. And he started knocking away stuff on my life. It didn't look like him. And before long, you know what? He made this wonderful portrait. Now I'm not talking about the outward. I'm talking about the inward. You don't know what I used to be. You have no idea, young people. You would have not wanted to know me 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I'm not the man today I was then. But you know what? It took an act of God and it took me fully surrendering to what He wanted to do in my life. And I'm here to tell you, young people, God's not done with us. He's still working. Let Him have His way. God's design, His master design in all of this is He has a specific task for each and every one of you. Are you listening to me? God has a specific task for you. You know, it blesses my heart when I see Dave and Abby, you know, sitting in the service. They've been coming since, I guess, 04, 05. I mean, it's been a long time in it, brother. We've literally grown older together. We've watched a lot of these young people get married. I mean, I feel old, bro. I feel old. You know, you know what I've done? I've done six weddings for people that were in my youth group when I was youth pastor. I've done six weddings. Four of those couples have already got children now that are five, six, seven years old. I'm getting old real quick. Yeah, I know. But you know what an encouragement it is? To see people like him still doing what he's doing. Still see him trucking on. Fraser, to see you still doing what you're doing, man, that just blesses my heart. And to hear some of you guys pray, when we were praying just a minute ago, Man, I just sat there in awe and I went, wow, I'm in the presence of God's people. I thank God for y'all. You don't know what it means to me to see you be faithful every year and come back in spite of who's preaching. Amen? Some of y'all ain't even awake right now. You ain't even listening. So that's all right, though. We'll be all right. But listen, we're almost done. Listen, guys. God's desire is that you draw close to Him. God's delight is He wants to use you. God's design is He has a specific task for you. Can I ask you a question? Have you all ever thought about God's will and the fact that it ain't easy? God's will ain't easy. Doing the will of God ain't easy. But I can promise you this, it's sweet. God ha- Listen, God has a delight, God has a design, God has a desire, but God has a determination. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, and then we'll go to some time of discussion. Let y'all put some water on your face and get woke up because we gotta have a worship service here in just a few minutes. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse number, let's go down to verse number 3. But verse number 3. Y'all there say amen. Okay, that's, that's, that's a majority. Alright, here we go. Verse number three says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. For we preach not ourselves but Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now look up at me. You know what we have? The gospel is the good news, amen? The gospel is a treasure, I mean, it's the treasure that people are really seeking after. When people are on the streets and they're mocking us because we sing, they're, they're making fun of us because we preach, Steve. You know what? The problem is they're looking for some treasure that they think's hidden when the real treasure is not hidden. It's been exposed. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. We have a glorious treasure, this gospel of Jesus Christ, to preach and to proclaim to people who the God of this world's blinded their minds. You ever had somebody when you're talking to them about Christ? By the way, you need to talk to your friends about Christ. You need to talk to your family about Christ. Who else is going to do it? How many people in here have ever had somebody come up to them physically? Now, just, just answer me truthfully. Have you ever had somebody come up to you like we did yesterday in the city center and talk to you about Jesus Christ? Anybody ever, anybody had somebody come up to them and talk to them about Christ? You know what? That's an amazing statistic. And you don't want to know why? It's because we live in a country where there is evangelism going on. But you know what? fact of the matter is, in the States, if I asked that question to a group of young people your age, I'd probably only have one hand raised. You want to know what, Steve? Before I got saved, only one person in my whole life, from the time that I was two years old and could probably hear and understand things, three years old, to the time that I was 19 years of age, only one person, Frazier, ever came to me and told me, listen, Jesus Christ died for your sins, paid your debt, all you got to do is put your faith in Him and you can go to heaven. Only one person ever told me that. That's sad, isn't it? You need to talk to your friends about Christ. You know, we've got a rare privilege of having a treasure. And I want to read verse 7 to you. Look at this. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure. Look at it. We have this treasure, Steve, in earthen vessels. Now look up at me. You know what he's saying? This gospel that we have... God, Listen, you know what God could have done, Frazier. God could have called a whole band of angels to come down and tell people about Christ. God could have chosen, if He wanted to, to send the patriarchs back from the dead, get on the earth, physically walk, and go and proclaim the gospel and tell people about Christ. Do you know what God chose? God chose to put His treasure, the gospel in five-pound clay pots. Just an old clay pot like us. Why did He do that? Because His determination is that He gets the glory. Look at the latter part of the verse. He says, for this treasure that we have is in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of who? And not of... (laughs) You want to know God's determination in everything that He's doing in your life? Is that he gets the glory? That he gets the glory. I'm done. You can close your Bibles, um, young people. We 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 went on the mission field a few years ago. I guess it was ten years ago now, and I remember flying uh, flying into. Guadalajara, getting off the plane, going to Bella Vista, a little village. And then from there, the, the pastor of the church took us down some dirt roads. And I remember our first trip into a little place called Los Posos. It's a village of about 7,000 people. And uh, not one, not listen, not one, not one paved road going into that little village. Not one. Matter of fact, half of that little village was nothing but cardboard. Cardboard. No houses, no villas. No condominiums, only cardboard. I remember going to the church, and the church didn't even have nothing but just a structure, Abby, and it had had these places for windows, but no glass. The reason why they did that is so the people could stand outside and listen in and look in. Because you know what? When we went to that little village, Steve, of 7,000 people scattered all over this little shanty town, cardboard boxes, We came into that village, and I'll never forget as we drove into that village, Cain, there was about 30 to 40 kids running behind our our bus. I went, I thought they were a gang. You know, I thought, man, they're getting ready to hijack us or something, you know. We didn't have a whole lot. It was just us and a few little possessions. But I was like, man, I'm fearful. I'm here taking care of about 25 teenagers myself. And here they are, and we're going to get hijacked by a Mexican gang. Amen. (laughs) And so here we go driving, Antonio, down in this little, I mean, there were ruts in the road that deep. You had to dodge them. If you didn't, your whole, your whole lorry would just, just disappear right down in the ravine. Went around these ruts in the road, got parked. And when we got parked, I got out and I almost got in a, in a position to start to brace myself because here come all these young people. When they come to us, they started shaking our hands and, and hugging our necks. And I was like, what in the world's going on? I got inside and I talked to the missionary and Tim, he looked at me and he said, I said, who are all these kids? We were about two miles down the road and they literally started running behind the bus, following us. And he said, oh, they heard the the Americans were coming and they wanted to meet them. I felt about that big. I got inside and I preached, and Steve, I promise you, I did not mince words, I didn't listen. I even asked the interpreter, Did you just say everything I said? Because this don't even seem real. When I gave the invitation, almost 50 people, 50 temp, came up and bowed like this and said, We want Jesus. I literally said, Man, I there's no way that they, they didn't hear me right. So I said it again. He interpreted. They all looked at it, looked at me, and went, "Uh huh, that's what we want." When we got ready to go, we drove by. Listen, I'm not making this up. We drove by what looked like a tarmac. You know what a tarmac is? It's a place where you land planes. It looked like a homemade Gareth, a homemade tarmac. It was, you know, wide enough for a single prop uh, airplane to land, and and I went. Here we are in a village that's made out of cardboard, but you got all these pieces of metal and tin and it's makeshifted and it's built and it's about 300 to 400 yards long. I said, where did this come from, Mr. Jones? Weldon Jones was a missionary. He said, oh, he said, this was built by the people in this village about 40 years ago. Folks, this is just Mexico. And I said, why did they build it? There's nobody going to fly in here on a plane. And he looked at me and a tear began to come up in his eye and began to run down his cheek. And he looked at me and he said, they built it about 40 years ago in hopes that God would send them a missionary. Think about that. And Gareth, we sit around and we go, I wonder what I could do for the Lord. I could take you to some places that need people. I remember my friend, Tibby. I remember my friend who's uh, an evangelist in the United States went to your country of Romania. He was there for almost three months. He was teaching in little Bible colleges all over your country. And you know what? He came back and he literally could not preach without tears welling up and running down his face because he'd look at us and he'd say, you know what? He said, I was over there and they did not want me to leave. He said, I would preach and I would teach from 9 a.m. to lunch and the men wouldn't even go eat. They'd say, we want more. We want more. We want more. And you know what? When he got on the plane his, listen, his preacher friends from Romania looked at him and said, please send somebody back to help us teach our people. We've got many students, but nobody to teach us. How many of you in this room are going to say to the Lord, you know what? I'm going to run the white flag up, and I'm saying, Jesus, you own all of it, and I'm giving it to you. I'm tired of doing what I want to do, I want to do what you want me to do. God's determination is that He gets glory out of it. Y'all ever seen these player pianos? You know what I'm talking about? You've a piano and you can hit a button on it and it begins to play. It's got a little thing inside and it runs these spools and it can play a song. I mean beautiful, you know? And you can sit there and you go, it's like magic. You know, <laughs> This piano's playing but nobody's behind it. Well, we were in an antique store one time, Brother Dave, and I remember distinctly. My daughter was about six years old. She loved the piano. She still plays today. But, Tim, she, she, she I, when we went to this antique store, I looked at her, Fraser, and I said, I want, I want both of you to look at me, my daughter and my son. I said, I want you to look with your eyes, not with your hands. Amen. Don't want you to touch nothing because if we break it, we buy it. Okay? And Daddy ain't got no money. All right? So look with your eyes, not with your hands. Well, you know what? We're looking around, and, Jensen, all of a sudden, there's this beautiful music starts playing. I look around, and I can't find my daughter. She's gone. I look over, and there's a bunch of people that surround this p- piano, and it's obvious that it's playing. So I walk over to the piano, and guess what? My daughter, I found out where she was. My six-year-old daughter was on the piano bench, and she was behind the piano, and she was just getting with it. I mean, six years old. I went, she got that from her daddy, amen. Praise the Lord. Man, she started playing. No, I'm just playing. She started playing, and Steve, all of a sudden, these people are like, can you believe this little She's a child prodigy. She's a genius. And I went, no, I didn't. She's just playing away. But you know what? It was a player piano. Somebody had hit the button and started it playing, and my daughter got up on the bench, and she was just acting like she was playing it. That's pretty smart, isn't it? Boy, everybody was impressed, you know. I mean, she was going, you know, she was playing with her foot, you know. And, I mean, and all of a sudden people realized that she wasn't the one doing it. It was the piano. You know what many times we do? We sit at the bench of life and we start to try to hold on and follow because you know what, that's all we can do. God's doing the work. We're just trying to keep up. we got to realize, don't we, Steve, who's doing it? See, young people, God's delight is He wants to use you. God's design is He's got a specific task for you. God's desire is in all of that you draw closer to Him. But God's determination is that the excellency of the power may be of who? Him and not of us. I know I'm talking to somebody today, and we're going to close in prayer, that you haven't surrendered everything. There's still this one little part. You ever This one little part, you know, you... You go to the altar, you get in your quiet time, and you go, Lord, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give you that, and he puts his finger on that one area you don't want to give him, and you go, uh, Lord, I really don't want to do that right now. You've got to surrender all. The songwriter said, all to Jesus I what? All to Him I... He didn't say gladly loan, did he? He said, all to Him I freely give. What about you today? God's high calling... Have you surrendered to it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, the young people. I pray that this morning you would help us to just surrender every area of our life. God, we know we can't, but I know you can. And I pray that you just bless our time today and the the, the service to come and our meal to follow. And Lord, I, I praise you for these young people. My heart rejoices and leaps within me when I think about the potential of service in this room right now. God, I pray, help us not to drop and fumble the ball now. God, you've given us a tremendous responsibility and a task, and I want to accomplish it. And I pray that these young people are the same. And I just ask you, Lord, to help us uh, now as we discuss some things, that you would give wisdom, and you'd help us to be open and honest before you and surrender every area of our life to you. We'll love and praise you for what you do in our lives because we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen.